Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast, IDP edition. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am here to bring you another weekly IDP preview episode. And that, of course, means that I am joined by another Brian from the IDP world. He is co-host of the IDP After Show, content creator for Reality Sports Online. Uh, he's also the reason there is a beautiful signed Max Crosby jersey behind me. It's my guy, Jake Colhagen. Jake, what's up, brother? Oh, John, just just living the good life here. Excited to work with you again, as always. Um, I got my first chance this uh, this off season. You know, I let you know, man. I I love and respect all your work. So, getting to do anything alongside you is is always a pleasure. It's a joy. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to chop it up and talk some talk some ball with you tonight. Me too, man. Yeah. And then the feeling is mutual as well. I, I'm very glad that we can get you on the show and I'm glad we got our <laughs> our schedules to work out the same here um, to get this going here. I know you do also the IDP preview episode on the IDP show. So you get, you're a busy man. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to come on here with me um, to talk some football. So uh yeah like, like you said it, it's gonna be fun we got uh we got no bye weeks this week which is uh interesting on the nfl's part um so uh we're gonna go game by game as usual and we'll have the timestamps in the episode description again so you guys can jump around and find the games that you're looking for more easy like and then we'll, we'll, we'll cover some of the main storylines for each team with a focus on maybe like fav- our favorite matchups or least favorite matchups for every team as well um and then shout out to uh boltar the pirate in the youtube comments last week um ask and you shall receive we got some brand new matchup based visuals for youtube as well so i know we have a lot more audio listeners than we do on youtube but feel free to switch on over to the youtube if you uh if you like and check it out don't forget to like and subscribe while you're here where we'll get some good uh, visuals up for you guys as well um to focus more on some of the matchups for idp as we go forward through the rest of the season um, and yeah, and I'm also happy to answer starts at questions, interact with folks in the YouTube comments again, as long as you're respectful. So please feel free to ask questions, jump in the comments below. Let's win some fantasy matchups. Um, I will include a link to my IDP rankings over on PFF.com, the link to the PFF IDP fantasy report in the episode description as well. Um, and yeah, all the images again that uh, that we'll put on here are are for the benefit of the YouTube crowd. So feel free, like and subscribe. Um, and then yeah, last piece of business before we get into it, I have a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com fabric.com slash fantasy m-e-e-t fabric.com slash fantasy policies issued by western southern life insurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions all right buddy let's get into it and start things off where we always do thursday night football it is the tampa bay buccaneers at the buffalo bills jake kick us off with maybe a matchup uh, or two that you like or don't like in this one All right. So the biggest question for me, at least with the Bills linebacker situation in this matchup as a whole, right, is, you know, to Dorian Williams or to Tyrell Dotson. You know, every week we seemingly have this figured out um, based on what we saw last week. Um, But yet again here, we see Dorian Williams pulled in favor of Tyrell Dotson. 
Um, you know, it's it's not a hyper um, valuable position necessarily so far for the Bills, that linebacker two position. It's, it's definitely very relevant for us in IDP here. Um, but, you know, for me on a short week, if you got to pick someone here, I'm, I'm really leaning into Tyrell Dotson. Um, the veteran seems to keep getting the nod in favor of the, the rookie when not playing well. You know, a short week to prepare. Um, you you got to, at least I imagine Tyrell Dotson is going to step in to that LB2 role, at least for this week. And then once we get beyond that, I I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's probably probably one you might want to stay away from until, we, again, we, we think we have a little bit more clarity in that situation. So, um, you know, and, and for me, I, I, I like... I do not like the matchup as much for the Bills pass rushers this, uh, this week. Um, I just... The, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have not been an ideal matchup for pass rushers overall. Um, you know, Tryon, Chienka, and Barrett have done a nice job, especially strong volume oppor- opportunities presenting for themselves this year. Um, but uh, I, I just don't, um, I just don't see that there for them. So, excuse me, I said Bills pass. <laughs> I'm getting them mixed up here. Uh, bad matchup for the Bills pass rushers. So I'm talking, uh, you know, Greg Rousseau. Um, Von Miller, who probably is not going to really play much again on a short week. He uh, very limited snaps this last week. So, yeah, I, I just, I'm just i probably going to lean away from most of the pass rushers in this matchup overall, too. The Buccaneers, Tryon Schenka, and Barrett. Uh, Bills allow a lot of pressures, not a great sack conversion rate overall. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of staying away from most of the pass rushers in this matchup unless you absolutely have to. Yeah, I, I'm with you there for sure. I, um, and then, yeah, just coming back to, like you said, the Bills linebacker situation, definitely one that I, I feel like we can avoid for sure. I, I have Tyrell Dodson higher, like just like you do. I have him as LB51, though. Um, and Dorian Williams, I did not rank this week. It, it just, again, we don't want to trust that. It's not like an amazing matchup by any means. Tampa Bay ranks 20th in linebacker uh, tackles um, up, yielded to linebackers. So, there's already another full-time linebacker out there for Buffalo as well in Terrell Bernard. So he can eat into those opportunities. Um, so yeah, don't love it for the bills uh, linebackers. I'd rather wait a week instead of trying to force somebody in there. And yeah, Gregory Rousseau specifically, you talked about the bills pass rushers. He's kind of the one that stands out to me that I'm, I'm lower on this week. I have him as edge 26 this week, um, 68.2 pass rush grade on the year, which is 47th among edge defenders. He's got a 60% snap share, which is good, not great, right? It's nothing amazing. Um, but going against Tampa Bay, who arguably is the worst matchup for opposing pass rushers, Tampa Bay owns the best team pass blocking grade on the year at 78.6. And Baker Mayfield has been incredible at, inv- at avoiding sacks. He's second behind only Patrick Mahomes in pressure to sack conversion rate at 10.7%. Uh, I don't know that Russo has really been good enough of a pass rusher this season to feel great about starting him this week. Um, so yeah, I, I I think I'd be benching Russo only one game all year with a pass rush grade above 70 as well. So uh, he's one to fade and I'm with you on, on Shaq Barrett um, and those guys as well. Uh, yeah, Shaq Barrett, he's interesting. He's had two games now with a 90 plus pass rush grade and then everything else is below 65, I believe. So um, he's kind of all over the place. So don't love the matchup this week. Josh Allen, another one of those guys that has uh, one of the better uh, pressure to sack conversion rates in the league. Um, anything else from this game? I do like the Tampa Bay linebackers. Any feeling that you have? Well, I like one of the Tampa Bay linebackers. I don't know uh, about the other one, but um, I mean, yeah, the- I'd- oh, go ahead, sir. 
No, I was just going to say the the one that I do like, just to clarify that 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 people, I don't want people guessing here which one I like and which one I don't. Uh, but if you listened last week, you might be able to guess. But I do like Levante David. I have him as LB10 this week. Um, Devin Beige or Devin White, um, who has just been the most bland uh, linebacker in the league so far this year. I have his LB29 this week. So 9.3% tackle efficiency on the year. So that is 53rd uh, among linebackers. The average is 13.2%. He does not look good out there. 47.4 defensive grade, 43.5 run defense grade. Um, surprisingly, he has a career best uh, missed tackle rate at 5.3%. Uh, but it's because he's not even in position to make tackles because he's getting blocked out so often or ending up at the wrong spot that he's not even a factor in this game. So uh, how are you feeling about these Tampa Bay linebackers? I mean, when you look at Devin White, I mean, he really made his name, obviously, early on uh, with his pass rush upside. Um, and you look so far this year, I mean, he's only generated six pressures and, and that's converted or he's converted that into zero sacks so far. So um, when you're limiting that upside from him, I mean, that that's a big issue. And, you know, you talked about his grades already um, across the board, not ideal. His pass rush is one of the lowest of his career so far, too, at 46. So um, if, if he does not have that upside to really prop him up or even make him just someone where you're comfortable putting him into your lineups because you'll take the booms when you when you deal with the bus. Um, <laughs> he's probably someone you're looking at fading almost entirely um, unless you're getting into really deep leagues or deep formats, you know, mm-hmm. LB three, four, five type range. So. Yeah, I, and I just saw the Devin Beige. I don't know, Devin Off-White, that just that gets me. I like that. Yeah, man, he, he's just he's just not been good this year. Definitely not worth the the, the fantasy hype that he gets in the offseason. I know he's one of the more highly drafted IDPs as well, but it for you know it is a good matchup for linebackers. Buffalo get, uh, yielding the, the fourth most tackles to the linebacker position per game, but I think I like that a lot more for Levante David than I do for uh, Devin White. So, um, yeah. Anything else in this game, or or do you want to move on to the next one? We can, we can move on to my Houston Texans if you'd like to. Yes, sir. Let's talk about the Houston Texans because, yeah, I am interested in the Texans linebacker situation, right? So Denzel Perriman is expected back this week, right? So um, Hanky Tutos and Blake Cashman have kind of been balling and, and holding down the, the, the fort here while Perriman has kind of worked back from injury, but... I don't know about you. I I don't have like a great hold on on what this linebacker room is going to look like um, this week going against the Panthers. So, how you feeling about it? Do you have a better grasp here for for what's to expect from from the Texans and their linebackers this week? Man, I, I really wish I did. I really do. Um, but I I don't right. And that's one of those things where um, I I like the way that Henry To'o To'o has really kind of I don't want to say forced himself into the lineup, but it really he's made a name for himself and and he's done well to do that. So um, for me, I, I'd probably lean To'o To'o just because um, mm-hmm. you know he's he's part of this organization, uh, this regime, excuse me, that brought you know brought him in in the draft, and I really think that D'Amico Ryan's likes what he has there. Um, Obviously, it's a lot of coach speak still at this point. You know, I think once we have a full season, we can really understand what he wants to do with this defense in Houston. Um, but for me, if, if I had to pick one, I, I'd lean To'o To'o. Um, you know, but Cashman ends up being kind of that nice handcuff stash, as, as you will, because obviously this linebacker room is highly productive, just like it was in, in San Francisco when Ryans was there. And, you know, you can you can do that if you have the bench space to do it for sure. Um, and then you're just kind of hedging your bets a little bit as well. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I got uh, I got Tooto as the the highest ranked linebacker for me as well. I think he's LB 28. Denzel Perriman and Cashman. I have those guys a little bit lower just because I I would rather kind of wait to see how it plays out this week between the two of them. I like Denzel Perriman a lot. Um, I, I think he's a really productive tackler. But Blake Cashman also the same thing. But we want one of those guys at least to have a full time role um, before we can trust them in in most leagues. You, you might be able to squeak them in in deeper leagues, um, but. Anything else for the Texans um, to, to talk about for this one going against the Panthers here? You know, you know, for me, it'll it'll be interesting to see um, if Will Anderson can really capitalize on this matchup. Um, to me, I think that the tackles for the Panthers have had their struggles this season, um, and they've really been you know a high volume passing team. Um, whether that's game script or that's intentional with the with the new coaching staff that's there, um, or maybe a little bit of both. So I, I'd really like to see Will Anderson deliver a bit more in that regards. Um, I think he's put up some solid numbers so far, especially for a rookie. But I just think it's something where, as a as a fan of the Texans, I'd like to see him establish himself more as as, as that playmaker for this team um, with some sort of you know kind of more regular cadence. I think he's done that you know with a couple of big plays in the backfield and some runs and stuff the last few weeks. Um, besides obviously their bye week, but I I just, I just want to see a little bit more from him. I, I think he this is a good week for him to do it. So I'm excited and I'm well. I'd definitely be having him in my lineups. But again, maybe a little bit of bias coming through in that regard. So. No, I'm I'm with you, and it is a decent matchup. Like you said, the Panthers, they are the third best matchup for pass rushers because they have the third worst pass blocking grade um, as a team this season at 46.9. And Bryce Young, his quarterback pressure um, pressure to sack conversion rate, it ranks as the 11th worst in the league. So a strong matchup there potentially for Will Anderson to get home. 74.8 pass rush grade on the year. Pretty strong uh, for a rookie. I know he's got uh, you know a lot of high expectations for him as a third round pick, but um, really good player and yeah, still developing. But I think, yeah, this, like you said, this is a nice matchup for him to kind of take advantage of here uh, and show out a little bit. So um Let's talk about the the Carolina Panthers quickly here because it's not like there's a ton going on, you know, as far as IDP relevant guys. But I am interested at least in their linebackers again, like we were uh, with the Texans linebackers. But Frankie Louvu is somebody that I like quite a bit this week, but it is dependent on if he plays. So I have him as LB 15 this week. Um, it, he might have a hip injury he's coming off of a bye week he did leave the team's week six game i believe it was against miami um but again this is a nice matchup for linebacker seventh best linebacker matchup for as far as tackles go um he's really the lone every down linebacker on this team so there's opportunity for him to kind of eat up a lot of those um opportunities there for tackles he's um carolina is also a very zone heavy team third most zone heavy team in the NFL, which is great for linebacker tackle efficiency. Uh, so we love that for sure. Um, I, yeah, I just, I, I hope he plays because this is really a great spot for Luvu to put up a, a ton of tackles this week. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, Luvu, if he's healthy, that that's a, that's a full goal. You need to have him in, in pretty much every lineup you can. So, um, yeah, I mean, but like you said, there's not a lot going on for those IDPs. You know, you got big names like Jeremy Chin from, you know, past seasons that have, you know, there was questions coming in and now he's injured. So, and then Xavier Woods and Von Bell are both coming off injuries. And so is it Sam Franklin, you know, is it, is it going to be a rotation with all these guys? Um, yeah. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a mess or that I'd probably try to stay away from this week if at all possible. And, and let's see what, you know, the injury reports tell us throughout the week. 
And then if we're still still confused at the end of that, um, <laughs> uh, there's enough matchups this week, right? There's, there's no buys for whatever yeah. reason from the NFL. You should be able to find some other options to stream on the back end of that defense. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, especially when we have, yeah, every single team playing this week, if there's a situation you're, you're iffy on or you don't trust a ton as far as playing time goes and what a player's role is going to be, you, you could find a better you could find a better option. And hopefully we could help highlight some of those um, better matchups as we go along here as well. So let's go on to uh, the Los Angeles Rams and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, where do you want to start with this one? Uh, I mean, the biggest name that that's really exciting there, and, and I think everyone was excited about for this year um, with Wagner's departure is Ernest Jones. Um, guy has just been unstoppable this year for IDP, um, just putting up huge numbers left and right. And I think that was really anticipated, or at least you know some level of that. You know, maybe maybe he's overproduced even in some people's minds. But uh, the the real concerning thing is pretty pretty significant snap count dip, and then obviously with that a production dip this last week. So it seems to be related to his knee injury at this point so that's that's what it's got to be it has to be right <laughs> we all want to yeah. keep being a thing so um yeah otherwise you know that's a christian roseboom season <laughs> let's let's uh, not that's <laughs> right so but yeah but otherwise you know uh byron young uh michael hoiked I almost forget how to say it. One of those two, but um, I think you highlighted these guys in your your waiver wire or your um, your weekly IDP report. So, um, but Young's just been a, a nice revelation for them. No less than three pressures per game. You know, fourteen percent pass rush pressure rate on the season. Um, you know, coming from a guy who you know I think he was a fourth fifth round pick. And he's just plugged in there at volume. I mean, he's he's a older. I think twenty five, so a, an older rookie, but still. Um, Really love to see that production coming through for them early on for for this defense that, you know, we really didn't think we'd find a lot of IDP value outside of Ernest Jones. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was definitely a, a group of misfits over there in the Rams defense among their their IDPs, right? But uh, these guys are they're doing a decent job this year. And uh, Ernest Jones, obviously, yeah, he's he's kind of the top one there. Aaron Donald, obviously, for sure. But um, yeah, not uh, not an amazing matchup. The Dallas is really like a neutral matchup, pretty much across the board here. Um, but. Yeah, Ernest Jones. So I, it does seem to be like due to the, the 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 knee swelling or whatever was going on there that he's he's been limited. So I think as long as he's off the injury report, I think by Friday or before game time, um, which is usually Friday, then I, I would be I would feel comfortable starting him. But if he continues to be like questionable game time decision type thing um, going into Sunday, that that's probably where you can expect limited snaps again. So I, I might uh, I might bench him that in, in that case. So he's LB 25 for me this week. So I moved him down for that exact reason until he's healthy um, and, and off the injury report, then I'll move him back up. Um, on the Dallas side of things, we do have a pretty decent matchup as far as the Rams pass blocking unit goes. They are ranked 29th in the league in pass blocking grade at 47.3. So the fourth best matchup for pass rushers. Um, do you like Micah Parsons this week? No, I'm kidding. Obviously, we love Micah Parsons this week. He's edge one for me. Um, but anybody else on Dallas that uh, that that you like for this game? 
You know, one name I'm surprised I haven't heard more of was, was Demarcus Lawrence. And so it'd be interesting to see, you know, if he can kind of come through and capitalize on this matchup. I, th- I feel like we've seen him do that in years past, right? He's always just been very efficient uh, as a as a veteran pass rusher on a, on a good team, right? Where obviously Micah Parsons is drawing um, a lot of the attention. Mozzie Smith as a rookie has come in strong in a rotation in the interior of that defense and really forced teams to, you know, be put out on islands or keep in tight ends to block or support on these things. So, um, yeah, I, I think Demarcus Lawrence would be the one I'd be really interested in seeing. Can can this veteran become relevant again? As you know, maybe that that high upside you know play type uh, type of approach where hey, I got an injury or you know bye weeks. Obviously, again, not this week, but in those situations where he can be very relevant. But even in a favorable matchup, maybe we find a way for him as into our DL two three range. Yeah, yeah, that that's pretty much where I have him. I have him as edge 20 this week and and he's really been excellent this year. He doesn't get like you said nearly the recognition um that he maybe deserves especially with the spotlight on Micah Parsons all the time, but 84.6 pass rush grade is 12th among edge defenders, 21 total pressures, which is tied for 26. Just the two sacks on the year, but he's gone three straight without one. But like I said, that Rams pass blocking unit is not great. Stafford has been a bit below average in his pressure to sack conversion conversion rate, which you like for, for Lawrence and, and Parsons, obviously, as well. Even Osa Digizua has been really good pass rusher this year from their interior. Um, so yeah, I, I really like Demarcus Lawrence this week. He's got the you know the run defense uh, chops as well. He's the leading, I, I, yeah, I believe he's number one uh, among edge defenders in run defense grade this this year, ninety one point eight. So great spot to make tackles um, if he gets those opportunities, which the Rams don't give a ton to the defensive line. But um, I do like this matchup quite a bit for for Demarcus Lawrence. Um. Anybody else on Dallas or, or or the Rams before we move on that you want to talk about? I, I think the one that, that stands out to me a bit is, is J. Ron Curse. I think that's one mm-hmm. where, you know, been been a little disappointing this year, especially in terms of his tackle floor. I think, you know, he's got he's recorded a sack and an interception um in separate weeks. So he has the 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 made some of those splash plays for us to keep him very relevant um in that regard. Uh however, just you know, really good utilization, lining up primarily as a, as a box safety um, and just not what we've come to expect from him in the past. So I think that's one where maybe just, hey, hold on to him. You know, the, the, the process looks good. You know, maybe it doesn't felt so good so far to start this year, but, um, you know, keep keep plugging him in there. And then just a call out of Damone Clark. It was really interesting and cool to see him get 71 of the 72 snaps last week when, mm-hmm. um, you know, historically, with the with the defense here they have not always um dan quinn has not always plugged in a linebacker that heavily right because curse is usually the one wearing the green dot or someone else um from the secondary and so yeah clark clark looking good there and then marquise bell is kind of the name that's been floating around in idp circles right this kind of maybe a potential cheat code he's only getting about 50 percent, you know snap utilization but um, lining up primarily is that other off-ball linebacker and a lot of platforms have him as a defensive back safety um, you know uh, designation so if he all of a sudden starts to sneak up to that 70 80 percent range somehow some way um, that could be a, a massive cheat code in, in some of our platforms for us so yeah, those are great calls for sure. And yeah, I like Jaron Curse as well. He does. He gets the he gets the 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 right deployment that that we're looking for as far as IDP safeties goes. You know, he just hasn't been overly effective yet. I think that'll come as long as those the that that alignment and everything uh continues for him. Not the best matchup for safeties this week, but I still have him like in that kind of safety two range as well. So um I'm probably starting him for the most part, but 
yeah, there's potential at least for better options. And then we could maybe see, give him some time to get back on track too. But I do like J Ron curse. That's a good call. Um, okay. Let's talk about, uh, the Minnesota Vikings and the green Bay Packers. So for this one, let's start with, you know what? Let's start with the safeties for the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. Because, um, Cameron Bynum has been obviously incredible. Um, Harrison Smith has been actually excellent as well. Josh Metellus is now getting in some work as well. He's been, he was a hundred percent safety this past week. So the only problem here for, for the Minnesota safeties this week is they're going against the Packers who rank dead last in tackles allowed to the safety position this year at 8.7 per game. So, with Minnesota having potentially three full-time options there, it really kind of thins out the pie for these guys with Bynum and Josh Metellus also getting in the mix. Um, Bynum, I think, leads all safeties who have played at least 50% of snaps in tackle efficiency at 14%. He's added two, ta- two interceptions on the year, which he did last week as well. So um, Metellus, also a guy that's getting strong idp deployment that we like to see smith's been the one moving around a bit more him and bynum actually both have been moving around quite a bit bynum only less than 50 percent of snaps um deep so he's not like a true deep safety that most people think he is um but yeah if i had to pick one to kind of fade this week it's probably harrison smith so harrison smith i I have a safety 25 this week i know he's been really really good he's got decent deployment as well but this is not a great matchup again, 32nd. Um, so last place uh, for tackles to the safety position. Um, how about you? Do you, do you have a, a, a different take here or a different safety to potentially fade from this group? No, I, I think I like what you're saying there. Uh, for me, I, I really look at Harrison Smith as kind of that, that more boomer bust type. Um, and there he's just been, he's been booming this year. And uh, I mean, why not with this Brian Flores defense where, you know, they, they love that cover zero look and, and bringing safeties up and, and getting them after uh, the quarterback in the backfield. So um, Metellus is probably the, clo- him and Bynum are definitely probably the, the safer ones. They will probably be the ones absorbing most of the tackles, I'm going to say, uh, this week. And, yeah, I mean, Jordan Love just hasn't been effective downfield passing yet this year, in my opinion. So it's unlikely that safeties are going to get a lot of work in that regard. So, Yeah, yeah, the matchup just not good for, for the safeties. Anybody else on Minnesota um, that you'd want to talk about in this one? I just, I just wish Ivan Pace could could play more. But uh, <laughs> other than that, no. <laughs> I, I, I don't we, have too much more than that. <laughs> I'm glad we got our one Ivan Pace shout out. Uh, I think we got <laughs> we kept the streak going there, so I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's it's a fairly obvious group. We start, you know, Jordan Hicks and and Daniel Hunter, obviously, but there's there's not a ton here for Minnesota. So let's talk about Green Bay. Um, let me pull up their slide. There it is. Uh, Green Bay, the one. One of the most interesting players to me um, has to be Rashawn Gary. So Rashawn, Rashawn Gary coming out of the bye week returned to more of a fairly like a normal snap share, um, you know, without any kind of playing time limitations this past week. Uh, he played 68% of snaps for the first time all year. He was below 50% uh, prior to the bye week. So Gary really has been like an elite edge rusher um, this season, even last season before the injury. So the only thing is, 
he didn't have a, he obviously didn't have a strong game last week and I, I do feel comfortable starting him in lineups going forward but this is one of the tougher matchups at least as far as offensive line goes um the minnesota vikings one of the best pass blocking units in the league so that makes it a little bit more difficult and they also don't give up a lot of tackles to the defensive line position so that makes it harder Kirk Cousins has done a nice job of avoiding sacks uh, against pressures as well. So this match, I I typically will want to put Rashawn Gary inside the top 12 edge defenders for me, but he's edge 15 this week. Um, He's still in that range because he's been so elite. 29.6% win rate, which is first among edge defenders. 26.5% pressure rate is second. So that all of that stuff is great. It's just this is a tougher matchup for him. Um, so I do I did move him down a little bit uh, this week. How do you, how do you feel about Gary going forward? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a that's a really good way to kind of sum it up. There, the the biggest thing for me is right. The Vikings are clearly a pass happy team. I, I don't know the numbers, but they're, they're one of the better or higher pass rates in neutral game scripts. Um, and so all that said, right, that's just more pure opportunities that should present itself for Gary. And like you said, he is back to playing at an elite level. So all he needs is that one opportunity, or he can make kind of his whole week in one play potentially at some time. So. Um, I, I definitely am with you, you know, maybe just lower those expectations, right? You should be able to plug and play him still, but maybe you manipulate your lineup, right? A little bit of game theory in terms of how you want to approach that um, overall for, for what you're, the roster you're putting out this week. But yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's great to see Gary coming back to form. That was uh, someone I think a lot of people, you and you yourself included, helping lead the charge uh, as he was going to really have such an amazing year last year. And it seemed like it. So it's, it's great to see him recovering from that injury and, and getting back to that form. Yeah, he's been he's been awesome this year. I really hope he stays healthy. Um, I do have money on him as comeback player of the year at plus seventy five hundred. Um, Demar Hamlin still hasn't played defensive snap, so um, that that's that's the thing I, I got going for me that I'm holding out hope for. <laughs> we'll see uh, if the NFL feels the same way. But um, yeah, the other thing for for Green Bay, the the linebackers are somewhat interesting, right? I, I mean, Quay Walker got doubled up in total tackles by his own teammate Isaiah McDuffie last week. Um, so McDuffie, it was interesting because he only played sixty six percent of the defensive snaps. Quay Walker played a hundred percent of the defensive snaps, but just wasn't nearly as effective. So I do like this as as a nice bounce back spot for uh, Quay Walker. He's playing again in another zone heavy defense, which we love for for IDP linebackers um, and tackle efficiency. And uh, their opponent, Minnesota, is 12th in tackles allowed to the linebacker position as well. So that helps him a little bit having an above average matchup. But um, McDuffie, yeah, we'll see if if he continues to play. Uh, Devondre Campbell is potentially going to be back this week. We'll see on that one. Still questionable at the moment. Yep. Yeah, I just assume that's because I played against Isaiah McDuffie in my main league, my main home <laughs> league last week. So that's why I was like, how can this guy <laughs> pile up 10 tackles? I think like eight of them in the first half. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Oh. But yeah, so the, the only other thing I'd call out for Green Bay is uh, Darnell Savage, I think just went to the IR today mm-hmm. officially. So um, fire up all your Jonathan Owen shares for all you, you deep leagues or, or people in a pinch here. Um, you know, he's he stepped in and um, when from the injury and he was 40% box utilization uh, this last week, you know, and coming into the game automatically like that. So, um, you know, with a, with a full week to prepare, I don't know how they'll deploy him necessarily, but um, he's had good box utilization in the past previously with the Texans. Um, so, I mean, again, if you're, if you're in a, in a deeper league and you need that, that guy to throw in there, uh, Jonathan Owens can definitely be that person. Yeah. 
That's a good shout for sure. Um, all right, let's move to the New Orleans Saints at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, where do you want to start with the with these two teams? I just want to shout out Carl Granderson first uh, on, on the Saints side. <laughs> yeah. And I hope hopefully everyone at this point realizes that that should be a, a plug and play, you know, DL one, two for you. Um, what what a what a beautiful year he's had coming in, getting his chance to be a full time starter um, over the from the last four years, you know, more of a part time role. And um, I just love he's he's making impacts, pressures, getting the sacks, have a couple big set, multi sack games. Uh, when he's not doing that, he's racking up tackles and run defense. Uh, and last week, a, a downfield fumble recovery, just the hustle play down the field, right? He, he got the balls bouncing around, and he comes up with it. So um, he's just he's been just a beautiful revelation this year. So I just wanted to call that out. Um, so as far as the Saints overall, um, I, I think I, I think you got him here as a a, a pretty good matchup um, against the Colts for for both the linebackers and safety. Um, the one you know the f- one name that used to be IDP, um, darling Tyron Matthew. Do you feel like this matchup's good enough for him to to come through? He has been kind of um, fading into the background here quite a bit lately, in my opinion. Yeah, he really has. And he's had good deployment, too, for the most part Mm -hmm. this season. And he just hasn't been effective. And, you know, this has kind of been like typical of him. He's kind of always been like this more of a big play type threat, more so than like an efficient tackler, dependent, even dependent on, on where he lines up. When he was with Kansas City, it was kind of the same thing. He'd have decent usage there. But you know, would would get out tackled by like Daniel Sorensen, who wasn't necessarily even playing a full time role. So uh, I, I just, yeah, Matthew can definitely be a frustrating player. Um, but it is like you said, it, it's a good matchup. The 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 Saints or the Colts, I mean, are giving up the fifth most uh, tackles per game to the safety position this season. So you like that about it uh, about him. It, but it's probably going to end up being like Marcus May or something, right? So it, it, he's just he's he's up and down, and it, he's harder to trust. So I'd have to see where I have him ranked exactly to to give you um, a better idea. So yeah, like low end safety two this week, and it's just because of the matchup essentially. So I'm willing to give him a shot because he's going against the Colts, and the Colts have given up those points. But like really just low end so not like high expectations um necessarily for him a low end starter for me this week yeah and i, I think that checks out and, and i did not think we'd have a daniel Sorensen reference this week so um <laughs> i i gotta love that <laughs> but it's for for the linebackers i think you know werner's i mean yeah he's he's maybe had some down games the last few weeks um and i know that uh the saints aren't always the most ideal matchup uh, per some of your guys uh, numbers and, and research but uh i still think that this is just something where I think volume is he's going to volume his way into a very relevant week this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I don't have the exact numbers, but it's the Colts just run a crap ton of plays. It seems like, um, and that, that's the, those I are the exact that's, numbers. That's, yeah. I, 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 uh, yep, checks out. <laughs> um, so, but Shane Steichen just yeah has this offense um, going at a different level and a different pace, and I think that yeah, worst case these guys will volume their way into a very strong relevant week. Yeah, that that's the hope, right? Like Pete Werner, Demario Davis, we expect these guys to be playing full time snaps. I know it is more of a more man heavy defense there for the Saints, so that does kind of hurt their their tackle efficiency from time to time. But um, I think it's sixth most uh, I have on the screen there at six most tackles to the linebacker position this season from Indianapolis. So going to New Orleans linebackers, so that could help them. 
I know Demario Davis, he didn't play a full game th- this past week. He was he was a game time decision coming in uh, with an injury. So th- I think that limited kind of his snaps a little bit um, just to hopefully not re-injure, uh, get a re-injury risk there. And now, especially on a shorter week, but he's got a 10-day layoff. He should be back in, in a full-time role here for week eight. But yeah, both guys, Werner, Pete Werner, Demario Davis, both been kind of really inefficient. I have uh, Demario Davis as LB40 this week. Um, and Pete Werner is LB32. So this is one where like the matchup is good, but I have less faith, I guess, in the linebackers. Um, let's talk about uh, Indianapolis. Anybody on the the Colts that you want to uh, focus on here? Uh, I think when you look at the linebacker room, I think they should be um, able to really have a great week this week, um, especially if this New Orleans Saints offense keeps functioning with a, a check down heavy role for for yeah. Kamara and, and uh, Derek Carr. I think he's averaging almost ten targets, or tar- ten targets or ten receptions over the last two weeks here. Um, so they've obviously, you know, Zaire's been one of the most efficient tacklers um in the league so far so obviously he's we're firing him up uh the real question comes into you know you know is, is Shaq seemingly on a pitch count it seems like because really the the number seems to come around somewhere between 45 50 um every week for him in terms of snaps he's playing and um can he do enough with that um and I'm just I, I always get nervous with him because he used to thrive on making big plays and now he's just an average tackler so um I'm I'm hesitant, you know, uh, to to say Shaq Leonard, someone we're looking to fire up. Obviously, you know, EJ Speed, the some of the snap or the volumes was kind of going back and forth between them earlier this year with some health questions for Shaq. I, they're both interesting matchups in in deeper formats, you know. I but I I can't really see them being relevant in in terms of you know a top thirty six linebacker for me this week. Yeah, it's tough to trust these guys and and the way that the Colts have deployed them to like Shaq Leonard being basically strictly the early down linebacker. He played 91% of his snaps on first and second down last week, only 10% on uh on the third and fourth down whereas ej speed played 90 percent on third and fourth down but only 24 percent on those early downs right so that that's kind of the way that they're deploying them so that means that leonard's always going to get more snaps than ej speed as long as that continues and they're they're the more of the rundown snaps as well so that might help his tackle efficiency but i'm with you i'm not overly you know excited about starting either one of these guys especially um yeah, well, obviously not EJ Speed in most leagues. I'm not starting him, but uh, Shaq Leonard, I, I have as like LB42 this week, and and that's going into a matchup where the Saints are top ten uh, to linebacker tackles are yielding linebacker tackles. That is a tough thing to, to say, and I'm not used to saying <laughs> yielding tackles to the linebacker position the saints are top 10 okay so uh, <laughs> so even in the the positive matchup for for shaquille leonard i still don't love him this week um at at, at lb42 there for me so um somebody that i do like on indianapolis is julian blackman uh, i know that he's been fairly quiet the past couple of weeks right he you know he hasn't had like these huge tackle games and he did have an interception in there somewhere i think um but yep. yeah four or five t- or five tackles or fewer the past three games, but really some of the best usage for, for an IDP safety that we can ask for 46% of his defensive snaps in the box this season. Um, 
all of those games where he managed five or fewer tackles, the last three, all came against below average opponents in allowing tackles to the safety position. Two of them, Tennessee and Jacksonville, are among the bottom five in giving up tackles to opposing safety. So this week should be able to get back on track, I think, thanks to his ideal usage again and a matchup against the Saints, who are a top 12 team in giving up tackles to the safety position. So Julian Blackman comes in as uh, safety eight for me this week. And I, I got to call out the EJ EJ Speed start. I am starting him in uh, in the Big Nickel Podcast uh, league against you this week, John. So oh. uh, that that's that's a very deep league, but uh, it is. That, that is where I'm at in that league. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, that one is that one is ridiculously ridiculously deep. I think we start like five defensive linemen as well, right? And 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 yep. four linebackers. So yeah, it gets it gets messy. And, it's understandable to start him in there. <laughs> And, and it's a 14 team too, I think. So on top yeah. of that, so yeah, yeah. So I think, and I think, are we both undefeated in that one? Are we both seven and zero? I'm, I'm not. Uh, I just lost this oh. last week, so I'm, I'm six and one coming in. So you ruined it. We would have had an <laughs> undefeated matchup here. <laughs> Can you imagine the views we would have had on that? Oh, oh my god, that's all right. <laughs> I'll, I'll stay as the only undefeated team. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see if that if that continues after this week. But yeah, uh, any other uh, notes here from Indianapolis or New or New Orleans for you? I think we can jump into the Patriots and Dolphins. Let's do it. Uh, New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. So for this one, um, I like trying to figure out where I want to start because I, I don't have like a specific starting point in my notes at all. But uh, I want to start with uh, with the, the, the New England safeties here. Um, Kyle Duggar and Jabril, Jabril Peppers have both been pretty solid um, for, for IDP purposes uh, lately, right? So Duggar is the one getting the ideal usage in the box 35% last week and that came with a 100% overall snap share for him. Uh Jabril Peppers basically playing an every down role as well and he, and he's kind of seeing opportunities all over the field. So I'm at the point where I feel like I can trust both of these guys in lineups and I think that's kind of rare for New England um to have more than one IDP that you can trust the, on on any given week but that that's kind of where we're at with uh, with these safeties here so it's also a positive matchup Miami's giving up the fourth most tackles to uh the safety position on a per game basis this week or this year at 15.1 per game um so yeah Kyle Duggar I am putting as safety for Jabril Peppers as safety 21 how are you feeling about these guys do you feel like the rug's going to get pulled out from under us at some point soon I, you you want to say it is uh, just because it is a Bill Belichick defense and and defensive backs of all things have been just just the bee's knees for him yeah. to rotate like I don't know why he loves it so much but uh, yeah no I, I I don't think it's going to happen at least especially not this week I just don't think they they can afford that um, I think uh, Duggar has shown that he's he's very capable on the back end of that defense as well but obviously he still gets like you said strong utilization in the box so. Um, no, I, I, I'm excited for him this week. I'm, I'm with you in that that top top five even level of uh, of ranking for him. And uh, yeah, Jabril Peppers has been a, a fun uh, resurgence for him as well, right? You looked at top, I think he was a top twenty, top twenty five draft pick for the for the Browns. You know, he's this uber athletic, all, use him all over the field, and kind of faded away. And then Belichick's found a way to kind of bring him back to life here for especially for IDP relevance and. No, I, I like where you got them both, and I'm excited to plug them into our lineups until Belichick gives us a reason not to. So, And hopefully nice. that never happens this season. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Um, anything else for the, the New England uh, IDPs for you? No, I mean, it's 
there's a reason that there's very few to talk yeah. about. It is New yeah. England, so yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I think one note that I did have: Josh Uche, Keon White both missed last game. Uh, Matt Judon was obviously on uh, out with the the torn packies on IR. So Anthony Jennings and Dietrich Wise both played. Uh, a ridiculous snapshot. Jennings was 97%, Dietrich Wise 96%. They were the only two like true edge defenders, and Bill just left them out there um, for basically the entire game. So uh, if he does it again, you know, maybe they could be like decent, like volume-based plays, but yeah, not overly excited about them and their their pass rush metrics necessarily. So let's talk about the Miami Dolphins here um, and start with Jalen Phillips, who did see a snap increase this week it's his second game back from injury now so he played fewer than 50 percent of miami's defensive snaps last week in his first game back from injury um, but got that back up this week uh and of course i don't have the exact percentage in front of me um but you know what he he was back to kind of looking like the the solid jalen phillips that we've expected and 70 percent snap share for him so seven total tackles he landed a sack in there as well this is a decent matchup, at least as far as their their pass blocking unit goes. The Patriots are the sixth worst pass blocking unit in the NFL um, this season, although Mac Jones has done a decent job of uh, avoiding sacks somehow. So we hope that Jalen Phillips is able to at least get home quickly um, because he should be able to win his matchups. It's just a matter of finishing. Um, but he has been uh, somebody that, again, very excited about this season and nice to see him back in the lineup. I put him as edge 14 this week. Yeah, no, I, I'm. I was all aboard the Jalen Phillips hype train this year. Uh, it was really disappointing to see him get hurt, especially after and he had such a strong week one. I, I don't know, he get some crazy tackle number. I feel like in week one and and uh, and yeah. some good pressure rate too. So, um, yeah, just just great to see him back out there. And, and I really hope he can um, come back into form fully, like like he showed us last week as well as week one. So, for sure. Um... Anybody else on Miami? Javon Holland is in. He's in the concussion protocol. He should be considered questionable this week. It would probably be like Elijah Campbell or Brandon Jones or a combination of both to fill in for him. But anybody else worth talking about here for the Dolphins? I, I think you know we talked about Phillips and his injury. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle seems to be kind mm -hmm. of the the guy who always benefits from uh, the increased playing time when Phillips goes out. But he did still see forty three snaps last week, so um, some I think ten or twelve at off ball linebacker as well, and you know twenty or thirty from the edge, whatever whatever that rolls out to. So they clearly have a, a desire to keep rolling him out. So um, probably someone when when we have weeks with actual buys uh, that can help support your team. Um, and obviously has that up kind of that handcuff upside if Phillips goes out uh, that Van Ginkle is going to start rolling up his um, opportunities and, and he's been relatively successful with him this year too yeah he's been he's been solid um, and yeah they obviously like him there in that kind of hybrid role so again somebody on sleeper that has a DL designation that you can maybe pop into linebacker spot or, or vice versa and and you know still get some production out of him even with Jalen Phillips back in the lineup maybe he plays a little bit more linebacker and David Long did leave the last game uh, injured as well so that could potentially help him as well if Long misses this game um all right, let's go on to the New York Jets and the New York Giants. Uh, where do you want to start with this one? Well, New Jersey, right? Because neither team actually plays in New York, so of <laughs> all <true>. things. <laughs> a good Sorry, a little geography joke there for, for all of our fans there. Uh, we, we can start with the Giants uh, because, goodness gracious, I mean, I know it was the Washington Commanders, but that mm. defensive line just absolutely destroyed last year, which is kind of what we – at least me, 
um, hopefully others were seeing from, you know, coming into the season. We really expected this to be a strength for, for the New York Giants, and, and they showed out exactly what it can be. Um, specifically, you know, Dexter Lawrence, who really had a breakout campaign last year. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau came on strong last year after some injuries and his high draft capital. So I, I really expect more of the same in this matchup. Um, I I look at the Jet or the Jet, yeah, the Jets as kind of a semi-favorable matchup at times. Um, but yeah, yeah, you got you got them ranked up pretty high there. So I mean, I'm I'm with that. Uh, part of it, I think, is a combination of, of Zach Wilson um, and what he does in the pocket or doesn't do in the pocket. I maybe should more aptly say, but yeah, I mean, those are guys that I think we all kind of maybe know already. But I think we should play them with some with some real high high upside expectations this week. Um, I really think that we're going to be looking at a game where both Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau are able to come away with uh, some big plays for us. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Yeah, we talked about Dexter Lawrence last week on the pod, expected him to kind of come through and get his first sack of the season last week. He ended up getting two, um, so so he doubled up for us there, which was really nice, and I, I, I'm with you. I think this could be another nice performance for that Giants defensive line, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, and yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau specifically uh, comes into this week red hot, really. He, he's delivered five and a half sacks in five games, now draws a strong matchup against the Jets, who ranked 26th in pass blocking grade, and Zach Wilson, who has allowed a pressure to sack conversion rate among the 10 worst uh, in the league. So Thibodeau, uh, the main thing that helps him, you know, not amazing pass rush metrics by any means, but he's averaging 88% of defensive snaps on the year, which puts him in a great spot really to get plenty of those sack opportunities again this week. So really kind of a matchup and playing time um, based decision here. I put him at edge 11 uh, for this week going against the the Jets. Yeah. And then looking at first sacks, right? Uh, Quinnen Williams. Yeah. Um, I mean, absolutely ridiculous in my mind that he hasn't been able to to get home yet i mean you look at his his, his win rates and pass rush sets um his pass rush pressure rate i mean everything is is ideal for him you would i think i mean based on the numbers i usually run I'd, I'd expect him around like four four and a half sacks already based on what he's done and just just nothing so um against a, a giant's offensive line that's shown that it can it can leak uh holes you know quite a bit more than you know a bullet riddled boat um i think that this is something where uh quinnon williams finds a way to get his first sack possibly probably his first and his second this week um and then you know on top of that i just i just love that the whole story with his brother you know from a couple years ago them coming together quincy as a i think it was an unrestricted free agent and uh or an undrafted free agent excuse me and you know from there they he's really carved out a role for himself and Beyond that, he's just made himself almost invaluable to this team after getting the big contract this offseason as well. So um, I love what he's done. I I don't see how you can't fire Quincy up as a as a top 20 linebacker moving forward and unless, again, injuries or something want to slow him down. But his efficiency, his his volume, his play has dictated that's that's where we need to keep him, in my opinion. Yeah, with you 100%. I'm not letting Quincy Williams or CJ Mosley leave my lineups, but also with you in that Quinnen Williams, he has to get his first full sack this to. week. I mean, this this is huge. Like coming out of the bye week, 75.1 pass rush grade, 25 pressures, five QB hits, going against the Giants who rank uh, dead last in pass blocking grade as a team. And if it's Daniel Jones back there, he has the second highest pressure to sack conversion rate uh, in the league this season. So we're calling it. We're calling Quinn and Williams first sack, potentially two. Lock it in. Uh, we need it this week. Let's go. 
All right, let's go to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'll start here with uh, Josh Allen, um, who has been really, really great this season. And I don't think people are giving him the credit that that he deserves, even still, when he already has six and a half sacks on the season. He's in the midst of really like a career year in terms of pass rush metrics, earning an 85.0 pass rush grade through seven weeks, um, which ranks 11th among edge defenders. He's got an 18.2% pass rush win rate as well, which is by far the best of his career. I have him as edge seven this week, draws a favorable matchup against the Steelers pass blocking unit, which ranks 31st in the league in pass blocking grade with a 38.6. This is a guy he's mostly lining up on the right side of the defensive line as well. So going against the left tackle, Pittsburgh's left tackle is a man named Dan Moore, who owns a 27.0 pass blocking grade on the year, which ranks 76th among 77 qualifying offensive tackles. Um, the, the main thing is that Kenny Pickett has kind of been the saving grace for the Steelers team in that he's been like decent at avoiding sacks this season, or at least like, like closer to league average, I, I should say, um, which is impressive given the, the offensive line that he's playing behind, but he's not, you know, Patrick Mahomes by any means, he's definitely going to end up in the dirt a few times. I, I don't think there's any doubt that it should be J- uh, Josh Allen. That's the favorite to, to put him there a couple times this week, hopefully. Yeah, and uh, unless the people forget, you know, this was your dark horse candidate for DL one uh, coming into the yeah. season. So I think uh, I think everything's lining up exactly as you called it. And yeah, it's been beautiful to see him be to deliver this volume or the this production consistently too throughout the year uh, this year so far. I know at times he's been kind of boom or bust for us, um, or feast or famine, however you want to look at it. So no, I, I love it. Uh, Josh Allen, fire him up everywhere. Um, and if you got him, hold him. You know, you shouldn't be looking to sell this performance. I think this is what's to be expected for him coming forward. Yeah. Yeah. He's been excellent. Um, yeah, we got the the two full-time linebackers there in Foye Luakon and Devin Lloyd. We don't really need to go too much into them. We know we like those guys uh, for, for most weeks, um, even though this isn't the most amazing matchup going against the Steelers, but um, a player that, yeah, maybe not, as interesting for me is is Andre Cisco of uh, the the Jacksonville Jaguars, who's their safety there, uh, and I know he's been a productive IDP so far, thanks to like three interceptions. He's got a forced fumble as well, but playing sixty eight percent of his snaps deep. Um, the Steelers ranked 29th in tackles per game to the safety position as well. Like he, he's a true deep safety guy. Um, I know he left last game with an injuries. He's potentially back this week, but if not, I, I don't like him or his replacement, Andrew Wingard. They both should play similar roles. So you got Rayshon Jenkins there as well, plays closer to the line of scrimmage. He's been a more efficient tackler than, than Andre Cisco on the season. So yeah, I, I just wanted to plug point that out as, as a safety to kind of fade this week going against a poor matchup uh, here against Jacksonville. Um, how about on the Pittsburgh Steelers side uh, of things? Anybody that uh, you want to focus on for this one or call out? Uh, for me, I'd probably be, I'd probably be looking at fading some of the linebacker play there. Um, you know, when I look at it, I, I kind of view the Jags as uh, not always a, a a middle to kind of bottom half for linebacker performance. At least when I look at some of the numbers I track, I, I'm not sure where you got them. You got them. So I got oh, them. Oh, actually, you actually got them as one of the better matchups. Okay, this week, so. yeah, they've 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 done well um, they, to move themselves up the up the rankings here a little bit. They've allowed uh, the second most tackles to the linebacker position, but 
I hear you because it's been it's been kind of an inconsistent group there for sure. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, LB two in Pittsburgh is something you're probably staying away from. Your Quan Alexander is the the snap leader at this point in terms of LB two. Landon Roberts definitely gets some of those looks in some of the heavier sets, right? Or those 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 uh, run first type situations. Uh, Cole Holcomb, who is someone who's delivered relative efficiency for us in the past, um, just hasn't seemed to be able to put that together. Whether that's working behind, you know, maybe not as talented of a defensive line. I mean, obviously you have Watt and, and Highsmith there, but um, in Washington you had Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. I mean, that that had to keep him clean <laughs> almost every down um, when you have that running in front of you. So, um, yeah, to, to me the linebackers, I'm, I mean, if you have Holcomb, you're playing them most likely. Um, but I, I'm I'm really lowering expectations or fading them this week. Um, hopefully, maybe your numbers prove us wrong this week. But yeah, that that's kind of where I stand with uh, with the Pittsburgh linebackers. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I got Holcomb as like exactly like you said. If you have him, you're probably playing him because he's like LB 22 for me um, this week. But yeah, don't love uh, the, the other guys just because it's inconsistent usage and that those snapshots are pretty different. Like Quan Alexander is like LB 58 for me this week. So even in a positive matchup, it just you just don't trust the usage. We got all these teams back this week, so there's plenty of options out there to trust, and you don't have to depend on the matchup for some of these guys with instable playing time so yeah Cole Holcomb's probably the the lone one for me as well um we don't really need to talk about the defensive line we know who those guys are we know we're playing them uh Minka Fitzpatrick though who has been again really strong IDP this year um him Cameron Bynum as as well he's very similar to him they both actually share the top spot in tackle efficiency uh for safeties this season at 14 percent just among guys that have played 50 percent of snaps so um he's another one that gets pegged as like a typical deep safety um but not like a like an Andre Cisco in any kind of way because he's he's also played less than 50 percent of his snaps deep this year he's moved around a fair bit as well um and that's helped him get his tackle efficiency up but uh it's not a great matchup. The the Jags are 30th in in tackles per game to the the safety position. So I did move Minka Fitzpatrick down a little bit. He's he's actually safety 20 for me this week. So still startable, um, but tempering expectations to more of like a safety two range for me uh, this week. All right, let us go to actually let's do a quick ad break here uh, before we finish off the, the second half of games. Um, and this one is brought to you by Prize Picks. Um, Prize Picks is a skill based real money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players. Uh, if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. So, Jake. Last week, Evan and I, uh, we went with, uh, what did we go with? We went with Marcus May under five and a half tackles, and we went with uh, Rashad White under 51 and a half uh, total tackles. I made Evan uncomfortable with the the under bets there. He's an over bets guy, um, but we hit both, which brings us now to four and oh on the year on our prize picks. So uh, this week, Here's the picks. Um, there's not as many that are up right now. We just got the Thursday night defensive props up there. So I picked out two. We talked about this game uh, at the top here, and I'm going with Levante David over eight and a half total tackles. Uh, again, 
the Bills, I believe they were fourth in tackles per game to the linebacker position and Devin White being as inefficient as he's been. I think there's some potential there for Levante David to do some damage um, and get potentially into double digit tackles this week. Uh, and then the other one I went for is Jamel Dean over four and a half total tackles. Um, we didn't cover the corners too much uh, when we talked about this game, but the Bills were, I believe, fourth for uh, corner tackles per game as well. And Jamel Dean, a 100% player over there for them. So uh, I do want to see if he can get to uh, at least five total tackles this week. How do you feel about these ones? We're going to hit. Oh, we're, uh, the, the David one feels like a smash to me. Uh, the Dean one, you know, the way they hyper-target uh, Stefan Diggs in that offense, um, you know, I, I'm not saying Dean's going to shadow him, but he mm-hmm. should get enough work on him as probably, you know, their lead corner. Um, as long as it doesn't seem to be one of these weeks where people just can't tackle Stefan Diggs and then he breaks away <laughs> for huge touchdowns, uh, Dean, Dean should, I think, should easily hit that over, so... Yeah, corner the corner overs are are always a little bit tricky, but yeah, like the matchup this week, and uh, hopefully he can get us there. But um, yeah, head over to Prize Picks again. You aren't competing against other people; it's just you versus the projection. So you could go to PrizePicks.com/slash/pffantasy and use code PFFFANTASY for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Again, that's PrizePicks.com/slash/pffantasy and use code PFFFANTASY for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars all right atlanta falcons at the tennessee titans jake uh where do you want to start with this one i feel like i got to start with caden ellis on the, on the falcon side he was one of my flag plants coming into this year um he's been i don't want to say wildly inefficient you know i think he's around 10 or 10 and a half percent tackle efficiency and but you know he, he's got the volume he's got the green dot his upside that we saw in terms of pass rush with New Orleans seems to have dissipated, um, which is disappointing following his defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen here. Um, so yeah, I, he's again, he's probably a great guy to still have on your roster for injuries and bye weeks. Um, he's probably more in that LB four range. Um, but again, can step up maybe in some more ideal matchups. Um, you know, I, it, it should be an interesting week, especially with Will Levis. Um, and, uh, Malik Willis uh, likely in line here um, for this defense to really capitalize on some things. But just overall, Ellis has been a bit disappointing, uh, I think, to say the least for me. He really has, right? Like he, again, like you said, 10% tackle efficiency, 9.9 to be exact on the year, um, which is 49th uh, among linebackers. And do you know who he's tied with? Alex Anzalone of the Detroit Lions. (laughs) I know it does make you shudder, right? Because we know how inefficient Anzalone is, but Caden Ellis has been the same level of inefficient as Alex Anzalone. Again, average tackle efficiency for the linebacker position, 13.2%. So these guys below 3% lower than, than the average there. He's playing every snap, which is great, but got Nate Landman out producing him and, and Landman isn't always playing every snap either. Right? So yeah, not a great matchup. Tennessee 23rd in tackles per game to the linebacker position at 16 per game. So there's at least potential we even see more Nate Landman in this week against the Titans that, you know, they don't run a lot of 11 personnel. They're 27th in the league in 11 personnel. So we might see more linebackers out there this week um, just because of the, the, the matchup. So with Landman on the field, it, it kind of takes away a little bit from from Caden Ellis's opportunity as well, right? Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Um, 
but you know, at least we have some some good stories out of Atlanta. You know, like David Onyemata. Um, he's been it's been wonderful to see him produce um, alongside Grady Jarrett this year. And it's nice to see that defensive front actually trending in the right direction where yeah. <laughs> I think they've averaged like one sack or like 0. 0.7 <laughs> sacks or something like that per game over the last three years. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're at 13 now, which, you know, isn't anything to to write home about. The The lowest in, this, in the season so far seems to be nine um, with the actual the Houston Texans, unfortunately. But, you know, it's just nice to see them coming up from just that that terrible terrible production um to being at least you know sniffing closer to average um and being being uh more viable for us for that idp front as well from the falcons yeah anya mod has been awesome i think it's a, a career year as far as like pass rush grade goes for him 83.7 on the year and then his overall defensive grade in 89.5 he's got two and a half sacks on the year he's got those strong pass rush metrics uh, playing time it's a decent matchup the the titans are a top 10 matchup for for pass rushers as far as going against poor pass blocking units um and then i do have i think the 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 chart here that i have up on the screen is for ryan Tannehill's pressure to sack conversion rate uh which is the third worst in the league so doesn't account for potential two QB system that they're they're going to be running there in Tennessee. But again, the pass blocking uh, grade for for Tennessee is among the bottom ten in the league as well. So David Onyemata has been excellent, um, and yeah, he would definitely be somebody to be playing. I think I have his DT eleven this week, so I do like uh, Onyemata. Um, anybody else on on Atlanta that you want to cover? No, I mean. Richie Grant, I wish I wish I could see a little bit more from him at times. Yeah. Um, I know we were both fans of him coming in from the, his uh, draft season, but uh, he's he's had his ups and downs this year. But I think just the the deployment of them hasn't allowed him to be as relevant as we'd like. But um, that's just me being biased towards guys I like. <laughs> no, I hear you, and I I kind of feel it's again it's not a great matchup either um the uh, titans are 31st in the league to tackles allowed to the the safety position so i don't really even like this matchup for jesse bates who's been great this year um but really one of the more deep safeties in the league right 76 percent of his snaps have been spent deep he's been a decent tackler but he's also had like the three interceptions two forced fumbles which are a bit more unstable uh, especially week to week right and now going against the titans who are 31 first and tackles allowed to the safety position per game um richie grant you know he's there uh he's playing close to the line of scrimmage he's been a fine tackler uh in his own right so he could take away from those chances but yeah fewer than 10 tackles per game to the safety position doesn't leave a lot of meat on the bone for for both guys to be able to feast this week so jesse bates is safety uh 18 for me this week um Let's go to the Tennessee Titans now. Uh, and let me pull their screen up. There it is. And so the Titans, anybody that uh, you, you'd want to touch on here for, for Tennessee? I think, you know, the one name that really stands out to me, I, like obviously like Aziz Al-Shair were playing, Jeffrey Simmons were playing, uh, Dinoco Autry, Arden Key, those guys have been um, a nice realization for um, for the Titans overall as well. And I think that they're all viable, but really the one that stands out for me is Jack Gibbons. So yeah. someone who has really lived on just some real extreme efficiencies. I think he's 16, 17% tackle efficiency somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, you know, on 65, 70% snaps, usually that type of utilization isn't enough to really be relevant as a, as a top 30 linebacker, but um, he found, he finds a way to do that. And here against the Falcons, I think that efficiency and, and even, 
lesser than ideal uh, snap count utilization, he's still going to find a way to be very, very relevant for us this week. Yeah, he's he's really been great. And yeah, even if it's not a full-time role necessarily, like he's just found ways to to be effective. And this is a great matchup. They're the the Falcons are the fourth best matchup for um tackles to the linebacker position. So uh obviously love it for for Aziz Al Shahir, who's like coming off back-to-back 15 tackle games um prior to their bye week. But Jack Gibbons can get in there uh as well. So like him quite a bit as well. I think I have Al Shahir as uh LB eleven this week. And then Gibbons is uh, LB 38. So he's more, you know, in that LB three range for me, just because of the, the fluctuating snap share, but eh, I could stand to move him up a little bit as well because of the, the matchup and, um, and yeah, how effective he's been. All right. Let's go to uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington commanders. Um, NFC East battle here. Where do you where do you want to start with uh, these two teams? Well, we can we can land in Philadelphia as, as seemingly Kevin Byard has landed yeah. now in Philadelphia. So Howie Roseman strikes again. I know. Yeah, he's been killing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they Byard. I guess it was. What was it on Monday? Yeah. So on Monday, um, the Eagles traded for Kevin Byard from the Tennessee Titans uh, and they sent them Terrell Edmonds as well. So um, I, I don't think a lot of people caught that the Terrell Edmonds went the other way, but um, yep. obviously Kevin Byard is going to be a starter on this defense now and likely next to Reed Blankenship, but when he's healthy, right? So Blankenship, I know dealing with injury right now, um, but he does, he is kind of set as their starter. If Blankenship can't go, then, then Sidney Brown would be, uh, would be the next guy uh, in line here for, uh, for the Eagles safety room. So we like those guys. I think I have Kevin Byard as safety 17 for me this week. Um, I know it's a, you know, going into a new team, it's a little shaky, but um, so just kind of, you know, mid safety two for me um, this week. Um, the other thing for Philadelphia has been their linebackers, right? So Zach Cunningham was their lone every down linebacker last week. Um, Nicobe Dean was, he's kind of ramping up his playing time. It seems coming off the injured reserve um, could potentially see more snaps this week, but I don't know that he's necessarily somebody that I want to trust just yet in lineups. I, I don't know. How, how do you feel about um, the, the Eagles linebacker situation right now? Is there, is there a guy that you do trust and, and how do you feel about putting the Kobe Dean in a lineup? I, I feel like it is Zach Cunningham at this point. Um, for me, that the, the, is the one that I'm willing to trust. Uh, I mean, if you, if you're in a pinch, I get, throwing to Kobe Dean out there because um, he's, he's shown uh, early production at the start of this year um, to be a very viable IDP linebacker for us. I just, yeah, and until I can see a full complement of snaps from him, I, I'm going to have a bit of that hesitancy. Um, and, I, and I don't know if it's just one of those things where, you know, players get injured and then the backups come in and they're like, oh yeah, like this is what we have here, right? And or now they've got more experience with the guys because you've been out for the however many few weeks and and something that fully slated to be kind of a two primary linebackers, that's it, now ends up really being a rotation for the rest of the year. So um, I, I need to see that to have greater confidence uh, to play N'Kobe Dean, um, you know, with, with that, that high level of confidence. 
Yeah, I'm with you. 61% of snaps last week is not ideal, right? Again, we got all 32 teams playing this week. So if you're in a redraft league, you can drop N'Kobe Dean, pick up another option um, that that's you know a safer bet um, to play snaps this week because it does seem like they maybe want to take their time and kind of ramping him up. Um, the other player worth mentioning, I mean, obviously, look, the, the Eagles defensive line is, is going to feast this week, right? Sam Howell, um, the sack fetishist, as we've been calling him uh, on this podcast, um, has now taken 40 sacks on the year. He has a the highest pressure to sack conversion rate in the league uh, at 33.1%. Uh, the main one, I guess, for me is Jalen Carter. So this is the guy I th- that I really like. I- I'm putting him as DT6 this week. He has a 90 pass rush grade on the year um, as a rookie, which ranks third best at his position. He's also totaled 27 pressures, which is fourth most. And now he has three and a half sacks on the year as well. So he did miss uh, did miss the game prior to last week uh, due to an injury. And then he did appear to be kind of eased back into ap- action this week. Um, so that kind of hurt his, his overall playing time. I believe he played... Uh, 39% of the defensive snaps this past week, but it's been another week of getting healthier for Jalen Carter. Now I think that snap share kind of comes back up, especially given how well he's played in a division matchup here. I think uh, Jalen Carter feasts this week as well. I think the only question is, is does he get to two sacks, right? Is it just yeah. one? Like where, where, where does the ceiling really end for these guys um, in this matchup? So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch it, but also scared for Sam Howell to watch this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's crazy. Sam Howell, man. I, I love him. I, I really liked him coming into the season, but man, the guy cannot help, but just take like several sacks per game and his offensive line has been decent. Like that's the thing. It's, it's all him really. It's, it's kind of crazy. So um, yeah. Speaking of Sam Howell's commanders, anybody uh, that you want to start with here for, for Washington? Uh, I, I just, I love the, the, the comeback of Chase Young, right? I think that that's just such a f- great story this year. Um, I know that there's a lot of people in, in circles I'm a part of and other things too, that were, you know, really, really out on Chase Young. And, yeah. and I think they had reason to believe that. Um, but I mean, the, the talent has really finally shown through, um, stayed healthy and he's just been uh, phenomenal. I mean, I, I guess I really don't know how else to describe it other than that. Um, I'm sure I'm sure you can dive into all the metrics that, that you have on him, but he is just you, you, you love seeing that. So, yeah, he, he's he's really been awesome and he's playing a ton as well, which you love to see um, six sacks now in in six games, I believe it is. So I know this this week is not like the best matchup going against the Eagles. The Eagles are um what are they the 27th worst matchup for pass rushers here as far as facing them in pass blocking grade and then Jalen Hurts is you know is decent at uh, avoiding sacks as well one of the better pressure to sack conversion rates in the league but Young has played so well and he's played so much that I feel like you know especially in leagues that you're starting two defensive ends um, he's not really leaving lineups. He's potentially a top 12 edge in, especially if he's going against um, better matchups, just slightly better than this one even. Um, so I have him as edge 18 this week. I even have Montez Sweat edge 19. Um, but really, again, as long as it's not a difficult matchup like this, he's probably going to be on the brink of that top 12 edge uh, range for me if he keeps this up. 
Yeah, and I mean, who maybe Hertz was coming up a little slow on some things, and I think yeah. he had a knee brace on even too. So, so maybe there's just a little bit more viability that way, right? So, I yeah, I I love where you got him, and just love what he's done this year. Yeah, yeah, he's been excellent. Um, the the one player I guess that I would be looking to avoid um, from this this uh, Commanders defensive line would be Deron Payne. So uh, he's been excellent. I know he's been you know a top twelve edge for IDP or top twelve uh, defensive tackle for IDP. I have him as DT fourteen this week. Um, I don't know that he's really been that good this season. I, and, and I kind of did warn about um, regression from him this off season. I think. I can't remember if it was actually you or Evan that that had that we did the the buy sell pod um, this off season, but I'm sure we talked about Deron Payne in in that one as a sell because um, I've been talking about it all off season, right? He kind of overproduced last year. Um, obviously, got that that big payday as well, but. So far this year, just one sack on the year, 56.1 pass rush grade, just 13 total pressures, despite playing 84% of the team's defensive snaps, right? So that that part of it is concerning. That's that's underproducing for sure. And then the Eagles are tied for fifth in pass block rate again, and Jalen Hurts, 16.1% um, pressure to sack conversion rate. So 24th, 24th worst matchup for a defensive lineman there. So Payne is the one that I think I'm worried about the most from this defensive line group. Um, and we got to talk about your guy here uh, at the safety position because he is getting he's going against the best matchup for the safeties uh, as far as tackles per game goes. Cameron Curl, uh, I'll, I'll let you you start this one off. How do you how are you feeling about Cameron Curl this year? He's been awesome. He he really has, and I think he's really taken ownership of that defense, and and I and I love what he's been able to to produce for it. Um, obviously, his box utilization is through the roof. Um, I think he's he's just trailing to people like Julian Blackman, who really are just essentially <laughs> linebackers for Gus Bradley. <laughs> um, but uh, no, Curl's been been phenomenal. He's been able to make some of those splash plays for us um, in the backfield. A, a good handful of tackles for loss. I think he's even got one sack, maybe two already recorded this year. Um, and, and the tackle floor is just just awesome. I mean, and and he he's been doing this for us consistently. I think the the thing I really am excited slash nervous to see is is where is he going to be next year right i believe he's on the last year of his contract um you know is, is he going to be working with jack del rio again you know hey maybe maybe send him to indianapolis if, if julian blackman doesn't come back uh <laughs> uh and i'd love to see him in a gus bradley defense so uh but no i mean yeah he's just been exactly what i expected this year i think i came in coming into the year i did the the db episode with um evan i got to me curl is, is the top three um, safety defensive back um, in dynasty, obviously as well as this year. So, um, yeah, he's he's delivering, and I and I, I I hope to see him do it even more so this week uh, in a favorable matchup that you've laid out here. Yeah, yeah, it, it is the ideal matchup for safeties, and he I I think he he should get paid by the Commanders. He's just been so valuable to them for what he provides for their defense he essentially acts as another linebacker for them plus defensive back he really does everything and he's been excellent for them um and he's been excellent for idp i know you know he had the quiet game last game i think he only had three yeah. total tackles or something like that but these games happen all the time and like a guy 43 percent of his defensive snaps in the box we love that um and then again the positive matchup the eagles giving up 18.1 tackles to the safety position per game this season so there is at all signs pointing to a great bounce back week uh here for cameron curl of the washington commanders all right let's go to the cleveland browns at the seattle seahawks jake uh where should we start with this one 
Uh, I think we could start with the the Cleveland Browns in a linebacker room that I normally tend to stay away from, but <clears throat> we might actually have some clarity there for for the first time in a while. And uh, uh, and Anthony Walker, I I think I'm willing to give him the opportunity uh, this week here uh, in a matchup against Seattle. So uh, I think I think he was 100 percent or 98 percent this last week. Um, so so very close there. Um, you know, it's it's something where th- that room is so inconsistent and, and so uncertain, but when you can get the certainty of 100% snaps from him um, and he gets to play behind a defensive line that is producing the way it has, they, they finally have, um, you know, I, I think that what gets lost in, in the Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett uh, production this year is, you know, what they've been able to do in, in the middle of that defensive line as well. It's uh, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson and is it is it Rankins? Is that who was the other one? I'm blanking. Off the top of my head here, but I know they brought in two new defensive tackles this offseason, and and they've really anchored the middle of that that defensive front. And you know, you look at that, and you know, these linebackers can actually operate back there um, in a, in a much more traditional sense. And I think Anthony Walker getting that level of utilization, that snap utilization, um, I, I'm I'm willing to fire him up, even if it is a slightly um, not ideal matchup for him this week. Yeah, this was this was really surprising, and um, the way that the Browns have been at with their linebackers this year. This is the first time we actually had a one hundred percent linebacker for this team all season, and, and Anthony Walker last week. And it was interesting because he was he had a concussion the game before, so he really didn't feel like he was even going to play. And we thought maybe Sione Takitaki would be the guy um, to play at least relevant snaps. And then Takitaki got injured and, and Walker recovered from the concussion and was able to play. So uh, with that, yeah, obviously, you know, Walker playing 100%. We'll see if it sticks because the Browns can be tricky with their linebackers. But JOK, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa dropped uh, significantly in his snaps, played less than 50% of the defensive snaps last game. So you don't love to see that um, for the other Browns linebackers. But good stuff for for um anthony walker for sure i don't know that there's like a ton else on this browns defense and i think um jordan elliott shelby harris i i I was just thinking about the defensive interior guys that that you mentioned um that they brought in there and maurice hurst they've they've all been solid next to to dalvin tomlinson but let's talk about seattle a little bit um seattle loses in uchenna and wosu out for the year with a torn peck I, i guess it was um so he'll be done now and the next man up is Daryl Taylor, who should play a, a larger role going forward. He had a one and a half sacks this past week. They also signed Frank Clark for some reason. Um, no, they they <laughs> they brought him back. Um, I'm sure he's gonna you know continue to be as as ineffective as he's always been. So hopefully Daryl Taylor continues to be uh, somebody that they they trust there ahead of Frank Clark um, because yeah, Frank Clark has just been not good. Um, yeah, it's not. This is this defensive uh, line here for the Seahawks is. You, you don't love it. The, the you you might like it for the matchup for tackles if they're able to rack up some tackles. Guys like Draymond Jones, maybe. Um, the the Browns are giving up the most tackles to the defensive line position. Um, so there's that at least. But how about? Jamal Adams. Let, let, let's talk about him. So you, another guy that was being written off that this offseason, last offseason, really, he seems to kind of be back now, right? So this is back in a way that potentially has him in that kind of safety one range because the usage in his first full game was 
as ideal as we would hope for any IDP safety, right? So 51.5% of his snaps in the box, 38% of his snaps in the slot, uh, 4.5% of his snaps on the defensive line with four pass rush attempts, and just 4.5% of his snaps deep, which is... Again, exactly what you want from a safety. Um, you, you, you know, you could argue if they even are a safety at that point, but we obviously love that for IDP. Um, it is a slightly above average matchup for for safety tackles, but top ten matchup for linebackers and first for for defensive line, which is where we're seeing Adams a little bit more of anyway. So this low key could be like a great matchup for him specifically again. Um, so I like Jamal Adams as. Safety twelve this week. I I'm feeling okay about putting them back in that range, and and I and I think you should be. And this is uh, this was part of the reason that I wasn't as, as excited about Jordan Brooks coming into this year. Like that was I think maybe the lesser extent. A lot of it was the the injury that he was coming back from, um, but they've never really rolled out like three true linebackers like this. And that's ex- essentially what you have with Jamal Adams. I think you laid that out perfectly. And this last week, I think we saw Jordan Brooks dip. Kind of considerably. Yep. I think he was po- uh, a sub 80% snap share, um, yep. which I think is his lowest of the season. I This really gives me a little bit of pause about Jordan Brooks. I think they're still, Seattle's always been a hyper-efficient uh, linebacker tackling team. I think, again, you know, it's one of those things where we talked about like Jack Gibbons or Isaiah McDuffie, these guys who can really still thrive in an LB2 situation. Brooks maybe does do that still, but I really think we might want to consider lowering expectations a bit with him, the way Adams is being deployed. And we saw Julian Love roll out there like 90% still too of something. So mm-hmm. I, I think, and they invested in Love coming into this and the, and the declined Brooks's fifth year coming into this year as well. I, I, I'm i in on Adams. I'm maybe, like I said, I'm, I'm starting to lower my expectation for Brooks here moving forward. Just a, just a caution. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that's perfectly fair. Yeah, 69% of snaps last week for for Jordan Brooks. Um, and Julian Love was was up over 90%. Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams up over 90%. Those guys were all, all three of them really full-time roles. So they really changed their defense a little bit here with Jamal Adams back in the fold. And the guys that suffered the most were, were Jordan Brooks and uh, their, their nickel corner, Trey Brown as well, right? So Trey Brown dropped to 30% of snaps. So if that's you know that's the way that they're going to deploy these guys then yeah i think you have to temper expectations for jordan brooks i know he was still a very effective tackler um last week and this is still a strong matchup for linebacker tackles but you know there's going to be other games where that 69 or 75 percent of snaps is really not going to do it for you so you're going to be wanting to look elsewhere for potential um potential starters at the linebacker position Okay, let's go to the Baltimore Ravens and the Arizona Cardinals. Um, all right, let, let's start with uh, Kyle Hamilton because uh, I, don't, I don't know how we can't at this point. We've talked about him so much. We may as well just keep on talking about him. Um, Kyle Hamilton, it is a decent matchup for safeties. Um, so I'll pull that up here. You'll see it is uh, my eyes. Uh, it's a top 10 matchup um, for, for safeties that uh, tackles to the safety position this year. Um, but the thing with Kyle Hamilton has been that when Marcus Williams is not in the lineup, he seems to play a lot more deep. 
Um, he's not getting the ideal usage that we would hope for from Kyle Hamilton. And that showed last week, 55% deep last week, just 18% in the box. Um, he has been forced back more while, while Williams is out. And the team doesn't appear to be overly trusting to leave Geno Stone on an island back there. So they're looking for a second guy to come back and, and play safety help. And that's been Kyle Hamilton. So it has hurt his production. Um, just due to Marcus Williams not being 100% healthy. So Kyle Hamilton's he's out of the top 12 for me um, this week, just kind of knowing that and knowing that Marcus Williams is probably going to miss this game as well, right? So if Williams is back, then maybe that changes things. But um, safety 14 is, is where I put him. But uh, yeah, not looking great for Marcus Williams' availability um, this week. Uh other things on Baltimore, uh, I mean, Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, obviously have been amazing. We don't need to focus on them, but Odafe Owe did return. Um, finally, he had a four-game absence and and really looked like, I know he didn't have the the the, the sack numbers that some of the other guys on the, the Ravens did last week, but he did get one. And really looking at the pass rush metrics, he looked like the Ravens' best pass rusher last week, which was exactly what we want to see. So he's somebody that I think um, should be in consideration kind of going forward for fantasy managers. I think he has that ability to take, you know, a, a leap this year as far as his development goes. And this is a decent matchup as well. Top 10 um, matchup for, for pass rushers going against a weaker pass blocking unit. So um, I think Odafe Owe, I think he'll get a potential snap share increase this week as well, which might bump um, guys like Kyle Van Noy down a little bit as well. Um, and then on the Arizona side of things, the only thing for Arizona um, that, that stand well, other than Kayvon Wallace being released, um, which again, no longer uh, <laughs> uh, somebody that we can, we can start. He's been great for IDP uh, until last week where he played 0% of snaps and then immediately got the boot because Buda Baker's back. Um, but Kaiser White uh, is coming off a quiet game, right? So people were kind of concerned with him. I think he had just five total tackles, but he also added two tackles for a loss. He had a pass breakup in there. He played 100% of snaps. He is my LB4 this week. Um, I'm not worried about last week. These games happen all the time for linebackers, especially against non-optimal optimal opponents um, like the Seahawks were last week. So this week, White draws a matchup against the Ravens, who are the most optimal opponent for linebacker tackles. They're giving up 20.6 per game to opposing linebackers, which is a great boost for Kaiser White, who is the lone every down linebacker on a zone heavy defense in Arizona. Arizona is the fifth most zone heavy team in the league. Josh Woods is there as well, but not an every down player. So that to me makes uh, Kaiser White a top tier start this week at LB4. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. The, the only thing I'd add is a um, little bit, a little bit of a bump up for Zayvon Collins the last couple of weeks. Um, he's up to a, a 9% pass rush win rate um, <laughs> when, which is saying something because he was at zero before that. So that's true. Um, <laughs> a few weeks ago. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by this and, and following him a little more closely. He was someone I was very excited about, you know, coming into, uh, uh, into the NFL a few years back and, and this positional change didn't seem to be a good one. Um, but, Maybe maybe there's something here now. Maybe he's starting to establish himself, and um, maybe he can be relevant uh, at some point here in the near future. We'll see. It's 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 watching and waiting at this point. But it was just uh, it was nice to see him kind of have a a little bit of a better matchup this last week. And um, yeah, 
Yeah, that, yeah, that was nice. I know he had the the sack. I think it came as an unblocked um, sack as well. But he, he did play better, like overall in that game, right? So that that was at least a, a positive sign for him. But yeah, I want to see it a little bit more from from Zayvon Collins for sure, especially playing that new position. But um, definitely somebody to kind of keep an eye on because he's somebody that we we've liked before. But let's move to the Kansas City Chiefs at the Denver Broncos. Jake, where do you want to start with this game? I mean, I think the big the big thing is the big name, right? Nick Bolton, he's out. Um, Drew Tranquil, he's in. Um, coaching staff has talked well about him in, in the past when they brought him in. Um, Nick Bolton's been out previously, and Drew Tranquil stepped in as the green dot and, and the 100% guy. So um, just that that's that's what we expect there. Willie Gale mm-hmm. probably stay in his role completely. Um, so, so don't try and get anything twisted there. Bolton out, Tranquil in. Yeah, yeah, it's as simple as that, really, right? Because th- that's what we've seen already from Kansas City um, in games that Bolton's missed. Tranquil was a 100% guy. When Bolton left last game, Tranquil was a 100% guy. So um, you fire up Drew Tranquil as the top linebacker there for Kansas City. Willie Gay would be the second one. Um, I think I have Drew Tranquil as LB19 this week. Um, so he's not like overly high or anything. But again, you know, it's a more of a man-heavy defense. We'll see how much, uh, how much big plays he can add because he has made his money on that a little bit as well this year but um yeah i don't mind him at all he's definitely a startable linebacker for me this week um the only other thing i think for kansas city at least for me anyways i'll see we'll see if you have anything else was charles umenahue um returned uh the, this past week from his suspension played 51 percent of snaps posted a 78.2 pass rush grade added a sack in there as well so i think there's potential that he maybe gets a little bit more playing time i know mike dan has been effective uh george Karloftis as well but i think we could see omenahue kind of work his way up there as that free agent signing that they were looking to be their potential starter there um for for the Kansas City Chiefs off the edge. Yeah, I, I gotta imagine that's the case. And yeah, he was someone I was excited about for this this defense coming in to see what he could do. He's former Houston Texan. Uh, they drafted him, and, and, he, and he's shown some flashes. So um, in his time there, and yeah, I, I like what he's been able to do so far. So someone that definitely want to keep your eyes on um, now that he's back in the lineup. Um, the the big one for me that I want to talk about besides that is just Trent McDuffie. He was someone I was very high on um, throughout most of the offseason. Um, He's been really solid, and he's delivered a, a solid tackle floor for us, really taking over kind of the lead um, role of that that slot defender position for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's definitely not a 100% type of uh, role for him. He's still moving around the field, and other people are getting opportunities in there, but he's clearly the primary slot defender. Um, but we are seeing this translate for him. Um, he's on pace for 89 tackles this season, so um, assuming that's you know viable for your scoring formats, I think that's that's he's been really great for us. Just really missing that big play upside, pass rush opportunities, and things that I think they're still finding ways to work Snead in more along the defensive line because uh, Snead just has been very successful as a pass rusher for them. So. Yeah, both guys really um, have been great, and and yeah, I like um, Trent McDuffie quite a bit. I, he's always in my top. 10 to 12 um, cornerbacks uh, on any given week. And and yeah, should be should be a fine um, matchup for him as well. I, I'm pretty much leaving him in lineups every time just because of that um, position specifically that he plays and he's able to kind of get involved in in the action a little bit more often. So like that for McDuffie. Um, anything on uh, the Denver Broncos uh, IDPs that you, you want to talk about? Um, I mean, I think, you know, Singleton, Jewel, it's, it's been disappointing that it's flipped for me, at least personally. I, I was a big believer in Jewel. Um, you know, he was really the green dot, the 100% guy, but Singleton has that role now. Um, but, you know, I mean, looking at your numbers here, linebackers, obviously a clear 
<laughs> advantageous thing. So they're both the primaries. Um, I think you fire them both up. Um, I think the big call out here, Kareem Jackson out, PJ lock in. Um, Kareem Jackson, Kareem Jackson just can't stop trying to hurt people. It seems I don't, I don't know. Uh, so PJ locks the, the name to pay attention to out there. Um, limited snaps played actually quite a bit up in the box. I know they've generally tend to split the field defensively with their safeties there in Denver. It seems, um, you know, they don't have like a strong and a free it's, um, each kind of just plays their half, but, um, yeah, it's not PJ Locks, not someone I'm looking to put in, but with with the suspension for several games, uh, he's someone that you know you can look to to get as a fill in if you need it. Um, and Zach Allen's kind of had a really nice um, performance here over the last uh, four weeks. Um, really put up some great numbers and looks awesome. Um, however, that might come to an end this week. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of defensive line uh, matchups against the Chiefs. I just Mahomes is a wizard in the pocket, uh, and they always generally put together a pretty strong um, offensive line as well. So, yeah, I, I'm with you there. Uh, absolutely, I'm I'm not interested in the the Denver defensive line this week. Whether it's Jonathan Cooper or, or Nick Benito or Baron Browning, I, Zach Allen, I have him as DT24, so I really pushed him down this week. Um, but he, he's been good. I'm it, it, Cooper's been good as well, obviously, but not overly interested in these guys going against Mahomes. Um, no one avoids sacks better than Patrick Mahomes. 7.2% pressure to sack conversion rate, um, even behind an, an average O-line. They don't give up a, a lot of tackles to the defensive line position either. None of these guys are really like amazing pass rushers enough to the point where you have to put them in and, you know, ignore the matchup kind of thing. But um Baron Browning, he could be kind of interesting. He made his season debut uh, th- this past week. He, he had didn't do much in the box score, but um, possible that he sees more work kind of going forward. He did have a 90.8 pass rush grade in that game, which included four pressures on just 17 pass rush attempts. So that was really encouraging to see for Baron Browning um, if he can potentially kind of move up the depth chart there a little bit. But yeah, other than that, like you said, great matchup for for Alex Singleton and Josie Jewell firing those guys up. Um, Singleton ahead for sure. Um, but yeah, not a whole lot else there for uh, the Denver Broncos. So let's move to the Cincinnati Bengals at the San Francisco 49ers. So uh, let, let's start with the the safeties here for Cincinnati. These guys have been pretty interesting just considering how well they've performed um, this season, or at least how well Dax Hill specifically has performed this season. Um, he's my safety five this week. He's really been solid. He's, he's got a couple of interceptions this season, one and a half sacks, 46 total tackles. And the 49ers are the third best matchup for the safeties um, this season as far as tackles go. So I like that for Dax Hill, even though he has played 61% of his snaps deep, he's still found ways to produce. And in positive matchups like this, I think that could help him. Um, Nick Scott, also a- another option here. We saw his snaps dip for one week, but then he got back up to the full-time role again last week. So not uh, much concern there for Nick Scott. And he's played just 37% of his snaps deep. So he's lining up a little bit of e- everywhere. 49ers might not have Brock Purdy this week. So we'll see what that kind of creates as far as offense goes. Um, they may be starting Sam Darnold. So that'll be interesting to see. But um other than that, for the Bengals, I, 
There's not a whole lot else. I mean, Sam Hubbard, it's a really good matchup for, for defensive line tackles. Um, the 49ers are giving up the fifth most tackles to the defensive line position. And Sam Hubbard is a top five edge in tackles at the position. So if you're in a tackle heavy league, um, especially ones that uh, reward defensive linemen a little bit more than linebackers, uh, Sam Hubbard would be a potential top uh, top tier play this week as well. Um, I, think, I think you hit them all there. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it, right? Because I mean, we know what the we know what their linebackers are with uh, Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt at this point. We know what that deployment is. If you're starting them, you're really kind of continuing to start them, and basically an average matchup here, neutral matchup against the 49ers. So, um, let's talk about those 49ers. And I guess the the main thing, really, Nick Bosa, just two and a half sacks on the year, but. 91.7 pass rush grade is second best among edge defenders also 35 total pressures he's got a 23 percent win rate all these are are top five numbers really for the position so i know that you know people may be frustrated a little bit but this happens all the time with defensive linemen you have to be you know patient with these guys and you can't really like you know, drop them or move on from them or bench them or anything like that. Cause the pass rush metrics are all there for them. And especially for a guy like Nick Bosa, who's now going against Joe Burrow, who owns a, a top 10 pressure to sack conversion rate in the league. This is a positive matchup for him to, to potentially do some damage here. So you, you can't leave Nick Bosa out of lineups. He's edge three for me this week. Um, anybody else? Yeah. Anybody else on San Francisco? Um, that you want to touch uh, on? I mean, the biggest one that I and I, I actually talked about it a few weeks ago in, in our preview pod is um, who Talano Hufanga, right? I mean, mm. he's been someone that obviously um, had a heck of a year last year, really made a name for himself. Came in, a lot of people had him touted quite highly this this year. Um, and I actually, I ended up with a few shares of him, kind of out of my with with some of my own hesitation, and and I'm wishing I wouldn't have you know bought into some of those shares at this point. Now he's really um, they're they're deploying him almost exclusively as a deep safety outside of you know a few opportunities um, each game you know to play as a pass rusher or kind of play along the line there, um, and that's really just killed uh, I think his ability to make plays. And I don't know if that's the Steve Wilkes defense coming in here now or, or whatever it is, but um, you know if if you haven't gotten uh, or haven't moved on from your Hufanga shares, um, you really should be trying to at this point just based on namesake and what people thought of him from last year. Yeah, it's super flashy player. And I think we talked about this when Jace was on, I think it was. Um, and, and we talked about, you know, his usage as well there. I am a safety 33 this week. Like he's not anywhere by any means, a, you know, a must start player. Um, I know he has the flashy plays and everything like that, but really not, you know, an elite producer um, by any means. So he's somebody that, you know, if you can sell based on, you know, name value or to a 49ers fan or to somebody that you know only watches the primetime games and sees Hufanga and thinks of him as like a Troy Polamalu comp then he would definitely be somebody that I'd be looking to to sell at this point um all right let's move to the Chicago Bears at the Los Angeles Chargers uh Sunday night football this is so Jace or uh, Jake Jace Jake um, John, all of us, all of us, Jay's. Uh, <laughs> Jake, where do you want to start with this uh, this Sunday night football matchup? I mean, let's kick it off with the Chicago Bears. Um, you know, it's it's funny you talked about. You know, sometimes you just got to take 
uh, some of the bad with the good, right? And that's TJ Edwards. Uh, he, he showed us yeah. he is actually human. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think, I think what two, three tackles this last week. So, yeah. um, it happens, you know, and even, um, in, in, well, what is idea, what is looking like literally the worst possible matchup, um, for those Bears linebackers, um, <laughs> I, I'm still comfortable firing up TJ Edwards. Uh, the guy has shown that he can be efficient um, in whatever role he's put in. If he's the primary, if he's kind of that 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 weak side linebacker, off ball linebacker um, number two. So I, I'm I'm thinking he's going to find ways to to make plays and still be relevant. Maybe again lower those expectations, kind of like we've been talking about. But um, yeah, you're still firing up TJ Edwards um, even after a very tough week here last week. Yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not concerned about TJ Edwards. If he has a down week, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of what's wrong with TJ Edwards questions, but this is just not a great matchup for him, right? So, um he's not somebody that you're you're, you know, getting rid of or moving on from. You just hold him and he's going to be productive. Um yeah, Chicago, they're again, their IDPs, we always have like nothing much to talk about with Chicago cuz their defensive line is so poor. Um but it, it is, you know, at least for their secondary, Jaquan Brisker's been solid. Um, but awesome. let's talk about corners here because the Los Angeles Chargers are the fourth best matchup for cornerbacks as far as tackles go. And somebody that's somewhat interesting to me this week is Tyreek Stevenson um, of the, the Chicago Bears. I think he could potentially be a decent streaming option going against uh, Los Angeles, who's giving up 15.5 tackles to the cornerback position per game. Um and Stevenson has been really picked on by by opposing offenses this season. He's ranked inside the top five most targeted corners on the year with 48. And that includes 17 total targets thrown his way just last week alone, which was the most <laughs> targets faced by any player in one game this season. So, uh, yeah, I think Tyreek Stevenson is going to potentially get picked on again. See, see a lot of work, a lot of thrown his way with Justin Herbert uh, at quarterback. Um, We'll see if Kyler Gordon gets back to a full workload as well, because he's somebody that I like a lot for, for IDP and I would be trusting him as well um, because his workload has increased uh, steadily since he's been back in the lineup as well. Yep. Yeah. More in that starter level role last week with 75% snaps, seven tackles, quarterback hit. So yeah, I'm excited to see hopefully Kyler Gordon really break out this week, potentially in a very favorable matchup. Yeah, yeah, he's somebody that I've had rostered uh, a lot this year, and and I'm just going to plug him into lineups this week because I, I do like the matchup. Um, but Tyreek Stevenson, for those that need maybe a streaming option, he could be solid there as well. Um, anybody on the Chargers uh, that that you want to talk about in this in this game? Um, for me, really, I think it's uh, Tuli Tui Piloto. Um, I just I love. Um, what he's been able to do so far this year, um, even with Bosa in the lineup too last week, and, and Bosa playing one of his highest snap rates um, of the year, you know he still found a way to be out there for um, a, a good amount of snaps. And and this week you look at the the Bears' offensive line uh, has not been necessarily really great, uh, and Justin Fields, uh, someone who has a long time to throw and likes to hold on to the ball, has kind of maybe contributed to that. But even in the limited time that uh, Tyler Badgent has been out there. Uh, 47 dropbacks, 15 times he's been pressured. So, I mean, one out of every three drop dropbacks leading to a pressure. I think this is something where, you know, all, all the Chargers pass rushers, especially the primary ones, Mac, Bosa, uh, and Thule, are ones that you can definitely be uh, be excited to play this week. Yeah, I, I love that call. That's great. Um, 
And yeah, I, I really don't have much to add there. Joey Bosa, yeah, it was nice to see him cross that 50% snap threshold last week. So um, I would be feeling okay with them going against Tyler Badgent this week. I should note that for those watching on YouTube, the pressure to sack conversion rate on the screen is for Justin Fields, not for Tyler Badgent. I know Justin Fields, I think, is doubtful this week. So Badgent's pressure to sack conversion rate is 13.3% um, so far this year, but that's just uh, unlimited snaps. I think we could see that kind of go up here against the, the Chargers. Um, all right, Monday night football. It is the Las Vegas Raiders at the Detroit Lions. Um, Jake, I, I feel like we we have to talk about Max Crosby. Um, just because we were I was gonna say I was gonna say the Detroit Lions player, but I am <laughs> going to go with Max Crosby in honor of the jersey behind me. Um, just to kind of give a quick uh update on his snap streak really is is the main thing i'm really saving the best for last i'm i'm making people wait on the the detroit lions player i'm just like uh, dan campbell has made us wait so uh, <laughs> max crosby had his streak of three straight games without missing a defensive snap broken uh last week uh he still played like 98 of snaps um but he he had played 233 consecutive defensive snaps which was the most for a defensive lineman since 2016 so uh really ridiculous stuff there from uh max crosby i just wanted to point that out because uh we love him so much on this show and he is still uh, a top elite edge for me uh this week but let's finish up uh talking about some of the raiders options here divine diablo was injured last week we'll see if he ends up playing um or not it doesn't look likely that he's gonna play so luke masterson uh among the the las vegas linebackers would be the next man up not a full-time role for masterson uh, he would probably be playing in that 70 to 80% of range. Um, but it is a good matchup for, for linebackers. Um, the Lions are fifth in tackles yielded to the linebacker position on a per-game basis this year, um, which is a positive uh, note for Robert Spillane and for Luke Masterson uh, or Divine Diablo, whichever one ends up um, playing in this game next to Spillane. So anything else for the Raiders here, Jake, before we move on to the uh, lovely Detroit Lions? Nope. Let, let's talk about those lions. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Um, Jack Campbell finally moves up the depth chart in a meaningful way uh, for IDP, at least playing a season high 90% of Detroit's defensive snaps this past week. He, he surpassed Derek Barnes on the depth chart. It really didn't look likely that it was going to happen anytime soon. And it came out of nowhere. Uh, Dan Campbell makes the move. Of course, it comes in a game where they get blown out. So that makes me scared that Dan Campbell's going to feel like it wasn't worth the move and he's going to go back to it. So how are you feeling about Jack Campbell and 90% of snaps, Jake? And and are you trusting him? Uh, I, I want to trust him so bad, but but you are you are spot on. But but getting to see it regardless made me excited. Um, my call has always been or my belief has always been that once we got through the bye week, that is when Jack Campbell was going to truly be unleashed. It's just what we've tended to see in the past for rookies, offense or defense. It doesn't matter. Um, teams always like that extra week to try and implement uh, these newer uh, personnel in, into these roles. But so seeing that ahead of this time and and that there, I mean, if you, if you really want to wait because this is a less than ideal matchup for linebackers, and, and again, we should have full complement of our players with no buys, totally comfortable with that but i i really am hoping and believing that jack campbell season is upon us here moving forward so 
Yeah, it, it certainly feels that way. And and I'm 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 with you. I'm fine on waiting one more week. I mean, we've waited this long, right? And like you said, not an ideal matchup. We want to make sure that it sticks as well because um again, coming off the big loss and and we'll see what the usage is for Campbell because it was kind of interesting. He played 50% of his defensive snaps on the edge um this yeah. past week, right? So it, I think that really hurt his tackle efficiency, right? So it, it's never a good thing to be playing right on the edge as a linebacker for tackle efficiency. So it was nice. Obviously, the the overall workload was ideal at, at 90%, but if he's going to be playing on the edge like that, I don't love that for his potential uh, for production. But we just hope that, again, it starts with the 90% snap share, um, and then we can adjust from there. So uh, really interested to see how this one kind of uh, works out on Monday Night Football. I'll be sure to get those um, Lions snap share uh breakdown out there as soon as that game is finished for people to find out exactly what it looked like um, for, for the Lions. But anything else for... Um, Detroit or anything from Monday Night Football for this one for you? You know, no, I, th- I think another one we'll probably watch Brian Branch again. You know, he came back yeah. uh, from his injury, played 50%. It's one where I think where the Lions are in their season, I would not be playing Brian Branch because I think, again, they're probably going to ease him in, especially with a bye week next week where, um, and, and I don't, I know coaches generally don't think this way, but this, is, this should be a matchup that the Lions should be able to handle um, overall, with the with the quality of their roster they have, even without a Brian Branch um, full time, so um, you know that would be one where I'd probably limit expectations, or again, be looking um, for other options uh, for that matchup. But hopefully, post by we get back into a full complement of Brian Branch out there as a playmaker. Yeah, I thought that was interesting as well. 50% of snaps for Bryant Branch last week. And it was against the Ravens. And the Ravens were like well below average in, in, in using 11 personnel as well. So maybe not as much need for a nickel corner um, in that game. So I do kind of want to monitor that and see if that becomes like a matchup dependent usage for Brian Branch. If they're, you know teams that maybe deploy more 11 personnel if he's getting a higher snap share and then vice versa as well so um i I do want to see that too but like you said also was coming off the injury so there's a number of factors to kind of consider there and yeah maybe somebody that we again wait and see on before we we plug him into into idp lineups this week all right that is going to do it jake uh we kept it under two hours as well with all 16 games that that's impressive uh jake i i cannot thank you enough um for for coming on the show here and helping me break it all down man this this means a lot and uh, i appreciate you and all of your insights so thank you very very much likewise john always a pleasure to chat with you and i'm impressed we kept it under two so that's uh, amazing little little feather in our cap for this week at least Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it helps to have like most of our situations sorted out and we kind of know what to expect from each team. So hopefully for the people that have been listening since week one, you, you've got a handle on things and we were going to focus more on these matchup based plays now going forward as opposed to trying to sort out the usage every week. So that should help keep things a little bit tighter as well, especially as we get some bye weeks. So again, thank you very much to Jake. Thank you to everybody for listening. Um, Jake, before you go, please remind everybody where they can find uh, you and your work. Absolutely. Uh, the bulk of my work uh, is with the idpshow.com as well as Reality Sports Online. Uh, put out weekly start sit articles for Reality Sports as well as with the IDP Show. Uh, do the preview pod for the IDP Show so you can check that out every week. Um, and then, yeah, just with the IDP After Show, we put together all kinds of different content stuff, off season, in season, you name it. So 
um, you know, come check me out. Come check out a lot of my my cohorts doing a lot of great stuff in those areas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we love the IDP show over here. We've always we always get you guys on, and we've got a lot of you. And I think we got Bobby next week as well. So uh, we're, we've got the whole family um, basically rounded up uh, over these first nine weeks of the season or so. So that's been very fun. Uh, definitely go check out Jake and his work though over at theidpshow.com and uh, Reality Sports Online as well, and at Late Round DB on the Twitter. So um, as for me, uh, my work can be found on pff.com. As you all know, we got the IDP fantasy report up there um which will have all the snap shares utilization um and, and waiver wire targets for idp we'll have my idp rankings up in article form uh up by thursday morning we'll also have the wide receiver man zone coverage report up thursday morning um o-line d-line matchup uh matchups to target and avoid on friday morning typically take uh kate and i do the week eight offense preview pod Kate is on jury duty this week, so she is unavailable. Nate is unavailable. So we are skipping uh, the week eight offensive preview because it is a massive one and I cannot do it by myself. So unfortunately, we won't be able to do that, but we have a ton of content up on PFF.com that people can check out to get you ready for week eight. Um, So be sure to do that. Good luck in week eight. And until next time, peace out.